And so if we look at it off the digital space, if I was invited to a party at Shawnee's house and I'd only invite or had only met her once before, I wouldn't just let myself through the front door, plop on our couch and just start selling her something like that makes sense to us in a physical space. But somehow when it comes to the digital space, we're okay with that. You're listening to the Creative Legacy Podcast, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs to build their business while living a life of intention, joy, and adventure. I'm Shawnee, a wedding photographer and educator that helps photographers, creatives, and small business owners cultivate intentional lives and build their most abundant businesses. And I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Sarah, a brand strategist and designer, helping entrepreneurs craft their brands to speak boldly and reach their ideal clients. We had to bring in an expert to talk about email marketing for you, and we love that today's guest was able to join us. She is our friend, a fellow rising tider who loves community, and the stranger who I went to a Brewers game with before I even knew she was a fellow creative entrepreneur. In this episode, she answers all the things from how to get started building your list, even when it's currently zero, to how often you should be sending an email to your audience, and what in the world is a welcome sequence, what should be in it, and why you should have one. Nicole Burgesson is a digital marketing strategist who is crazy good at coming up with ideas on how to market your business and email and all things social. After this episode, you'll want to follow this girl on Instagram. She drops knowledge all the time that you need to know and includes her life as a wife and a mom of two adorable little boys and a few cats. Let's not make you wait anymore and get into this episode. Today's guest, we've had a lot of guests and we love them all, but we have a very special one because this one is local to Green Bay with us and we love her. When we were talking to Nicole Virgison, she is a social media strategist and we're going to be talking about email marketing today. So welcome, Nicole, to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We are so excited that you're here and going to share your knowledge about email marketing. I think it's this thing that we all feel like we have to be doing as business owners, but you don't even know where to start. And I literally was in that boat and I'm like, Nicole, help me. So uh, we know how fabulous you are and how knowledgeable you are. So thank you for being here. And Sarah kind of introduced you a little bit, but I would love to hear in your own words who you are, what you're all about, and get our listeners to know you a little bit better. Yes, I am a digital marketing strategist with an emphasis on social media. Anybody that knows me knows that I love Instagram, but it's all about (laughs) helping creatives and small business owners make sense of digital marketing. And so email marketing is naturally in that. And I really focus on organic growth, creating relationships and nurturing your audience to essentially create community, but also make you money. Great. We love that. (laughs) Right? Who doesn't love that? (laughs) Cool. Um, So I guess we'll just jump into the questions. This is the first time we're talking email marketing on this podcast. So I'd love to just get a really quick, like, what is email marketing? What purpose does it serve? Yes, I think email is sort of the billboard of digital marketing. So it's very different than social media in 
in the sense that if we were to take a break from Instagram or Facebook, we might never see the posts or stories that show up there. Um, however, email can be very targeted to an ideal audience, and then that audience can even be segmented. It's just, I don't want to say in your face, because I feel that scares us from wanting to open up our inbox or wanting to hit send, but it's such an effective tool. It's, it's essentially just another avenue of consistency that you can create community and really share who you are and make sales. And even if we look at the stats, um, 80% of marketers still claim that email is best for keeping customers. Um, and 60% of consumers say that email is their preferred way to get promotions. And so it really is, it's effective. For every dollar that you spend, you'll see an average of $42 return on investment. And that is a huge number. And I think it's a super underutilized avenue of marketing. Yeah, definitely. I feel like it is something that, like I said, we hear all about, but we don't really know how it affects us until we start using it. Absolutely. It's definitely a habit that you have to acquire, just the practice and the discipline and the commitment. So how does someone begin to grow their list? And, and by list, we mean their email list, like gathering all those email addresses. How does someone start? Um, because we know it's a big deal. We know when we need to do it. How do you start doing that? Absolutely. So in order to grow your list, we just need to step back and acknowledge who our audience is and understand that they are inviting us into kind of a sacred space, right? Because if we don't choose to open an email, we are still seeing the sender name, the subject line. Um, on top of that, we're eventually going to have to open up that email, scroll to the bottom, unsubscribe, and eventually delete those emails. So even if we don't click or buy, we're still con consuming a lot of information about another person. So just acknowledging that fact alone and realizing that we have to be invited into our space will help us understand what we need to grow our audience. Essentially, we need something of great value in return for that invitation into that in inbox or into that sacred space. So I really love lead magnet. And you may have heard that term, um, but I think so many people assume that a lead magnet means that it has to be a guide, a worksheet, a checklist. That is absolutely a great tool to offer like a free guide to grow your list, but it can be anything um, offering something of value. It might be a free shipping code, a discount on a first order, free product with purchase, an upgrade, free consultation. All of those things are just something of value that you can then receive that coveted email in return. I think that leads into the next question we have, but I have a really quick like side tangent I want to talk about. And I think that's the power of one. Like, would you agree, like encourage, like just having like one subscriber to continue to send those emails? If they only have one subscriber, is that yes. what you're asking? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like somebody like trying to, trying to start the list, but they only have one, maybe like one to five, like a small number that can sometimes feel like a deterrent. Like I'm not 
uh, making an impact and not reaching enough people, would yeah, you still I, encourage I, to send those absolutely. emails? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Having, talking about like a lead magnet, what's the next step then? So you have the lead magnet, you should probably send more after that. What is that like? Absolutely. The next step is going to be a welcome sequence. And I find that this is where the majority of businesses, they forget to create this. And I put so much importance on this. Your subscribers most likely don't know who you are. If you have one of those lead magnets, maybe they just popped onto your website to look at jewelry that somebody else had given them the link for and they're signing up for free shipping or maybe they found your free guide on Pinterest and they really haven't seen you. And so if we look at it off the digital space, if I was invited to a party at Shanae's house and I'd only invite or had only met her once before, I wouldn't just let myself through the front door, plop on our couch and just start selling her something. Like that makes sense to us in a physical space, but somehow when it comes to the digital space, we're okay with that. And a welcome sequence just is allowing our subscribers to learn who we are what they can expect from our newsletter, whether that's going to show up weekly or monthly, and then what kind of content they can look forward to seeing. Could you give us an example of what a welcome sequence look like, whether it's yours, someone else's, or just something, is it one email, is it multiple emails, just so our listeners can get an idea of what they should be putting in this welcome sequence, what, it should, what should be included, and, and why it matters. At least one. I'm going to encourage everyone to put at least one email in your welcome sequence. I've seen up to four to six emails. And what I would really say is that the frequency or the amount of emails that you would send out in a welcome sequence would really be dependent upon how frequently you're sending that normal newsletter. Um, So if you're sending out weekly, that's four to five a month. And so you could easily get away with a, a lot more emails in your welcome sequence. But even if you choose to have one or six emails in your welcome sequence, there are four things I would really encourage everyone to include. One would be a welcome. Thanks for coming to the list. I'm so glad you're here. Second would be information about yourself. So a picture of you, your name, what your business is. Third, what to expect which would be um, the type of content they'll see as well as how often they'll get it. And then lastly, some kind of personal story or a narrative, or maybe it's even um, really great content that solves their problem. Something else that's not salesy and will actually connect with them. How often should we be sending emails to our email list? That would really be based on a couple different things. One is what your customer wants. I put a lot less weight on this because let's be honest, we can't appease everyone. We can't give everyone what they want. Um, But you can do things like have an end of year survey and ask your audience how often they want to hear from you. Um, So that's that's one important aspect. Two, how much content you're creating. If you're not putting out a lot of blog posts, if you're not showing up on social media a lot, and you don't really want to create new content, you might not have 
a lot of content that you can then put into an email or repurpose into an email. So that's one thing to keep in mind. If you are a content generating machine, um, Shani does so well with um, putting out a lot of blog posts and um, different types of content on different social media aspects. So for her, she's got a weekly newsletter and that makes sense because she has a lot to share and it just goes right along with that. Um, and then lastly, what you're willing to commit to. What does consistency really look like for you? I definitely would say at least once a month, but I love twice a month just to make sure that people know that you're still around. Um, but definitely think of what you're willing to commit to with frequency. And that's the most important of all three of those aspects. Because if you just decide, I'm going to start sending two emails a week for three months, take a month off and then pick right back up people are going to forget that they signed up and then feel bombarded with emails and you'll end up with so many unsubscribes. That is such a great point. I think we talk about that a lot in any social media platform to be consistent and to have a way that you're showing up and it, and you're going to stick with that. that. And that's the same with email marketing. Do you have any advice for people that are feeling they're either feeling like they're sending too much or they're not sending enough and they are their their subscribers are feeling bombarded or they're feeling like they're not hearing and you're hearing crickets from them they're not hearing enough do you have any advice for people that are getting discouraged that maybe people are unsubscribing a lot or maybe they aren't getting enough subscribers in the first place yeah, if we look at the first thing, if there's a lot of people unsubscribing, it's really important to check those analytics and try to figure out why they're unsubscribing. Is it because you sent a lot of emails recently that are just about sales versus nurturing your audience, which we could we could get into even that. But maybe it's that you're you're sending out a lot of sales emails versus helping and adding value. Maybe it's that you have a list from a time that you've pivoted, or it's a lot of friends and family. And so now those unsubscribes, really, you could look at them as a blessing. They're people that don't fit your target audience. I've, I look at unsubscribes as a great thing, because the more people that get off my list that don't want to hear what I'm saying or aren't connecting with my messaging, um, that actually is going to inc increase my other analytics, right? My open and click rate. So I look at them as blessings. Just you have to kind of look and determine why they're unsubscribing. So, so don't worry too much about that aspect as long as you're being consistent and you're adding value. Second, if you're having trouble growing your list, number one, make sure you're promoting it. If you have decided to do a lead magnet, a freebie, make sure you're promoting it on Pinterest and social media and talking about the value that it would provide, but also make sure it's providing value. So start backwards, look at your goal, whatever the goal you have for that month or quarter. If it's, I want more sales on a certain item, I want students to enroll in a course, and then what would lead them into that? What kind of lead magnet would best suit that goal? And from there, like, does that offer value to them? Like, would you sign up for it? Those are really great questions to, to ask yourself when you're trying to grow that, grow that list. 
So when, in, when we're creating these emails, is there any kind of like key elements that we should make sure is in each email that we're sending? When you're looking at individual emails, definitely make sure you have one goal in mind, which means one call to action, one theme, one purpose. This is really going to funnel people to read your content and then click only that button or only that call to action. I think that is the most important thing to include. It's the keep it simple aspect. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And I think... And I think that's where we get hung up. Maybe like we're going to send one email a month and we're going to make sure that we talk about absolutely everything in it. But it actually is confusing our audience far more than it is helping them. I did want to round back really quick when we were talking about frequency. Um, We touched on that welcome sequence. And I feel like that's a question I've seen people have before is should I be sending them, if I'm doing the six, the longer welcome sequence, should they be daily? Should I space them out? Do you have any recommendations for that? Because that might get overwhelming otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. If you are sending out your normal email newsletter every week, you can get away with every day or every two days sending those emails in the welcome sequence. You want to make sure that you don't send the email sequence At the same time, you're also sending them the general newsletter and all of the email platforms that I know of allows you to exclude anyone on your welcome sequence from getting that normal newsletter. So we first want to make sure that we're aware of that. So they're not getting double the emails, but definitely, I would say, yeah, I would definitely say one to one to four days in between is great if you're sending out weekly for those that send out only one email a month, I've spread out those emails six to eight days so that it doesn't seem like they're bombarded with three emails right away and then they wait a whole month. So that welcome sequence frequency and duration between the emails does have to kind of coordinate with the frequency of your normal newsletter. That makes sense, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a good setup for like what they can expect Right, absolutely. Like they're already getting in the habit of of knowing who you are and and what to expect. And if you're including what to expect, the frequency of your normal emails in that welcome sequence, you're already kind of educating them on on what to expect once they get out of that sequence. That's perfect. And like you said, makes sense. We're we're starting to get our clients, our customers to know what they can expect for us going forward, what they can expect coming into their inbox. I think as someone that just receives emails, you if you feel like I signed up for this, it was once a month or once a week or whatever it may be. And now it's, okay, I've gotten five emails from them this week, what's going on or whatever. It starts feeling like this is the one I signed up for. And you start almost feel, I don't want to seem over dramatic, but you kind of feel betrayed. You're like, um, I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> exactly what it feels like, which is why I think that welcome sequence is so important because if you're doing that on top of not introducing yourself, it's really easy for like the consumer to get so angry at you mm-hmm. when we could have just like stepped back in a welcome sequence, you can set it up and then step away. And I try to look at it once a quarter, but even if you just look at it once a year to make sure that all the links are working, all the information and pictures are up to date, you don't really have to do anything after that. So it's a really important first step. 
And it's super helpful that you're doing that. You're sharing more about who you are and what they can expect. And again, creating that trust, which is really important. And I think this brings me back to another topic with trust is that when you're growing your list, I think sometimes people feel like they want that bigger number faster. And so maybe they start pulling emails from oh, well, I have all these clients or I have all these friends or whatever. I'm just going to add them to my list right away. And I feel like that's probably not the best way to do it. Correct, Nicole? That you you need to be um, not only just like, they need to choose if they're going to sign up, but isn't like legally they cannot do that. Cause I know I've been on added to a few lists recently and I'm like, no, I don't feel like I ever signed up for that. Can you talk a little bit about like the best practices for that? Absolutely. Legally, they have to opt into your newsletter. And so when we're talking about the forms that somebody is going to add their name, their email, what we call like an opt in, you, I find it to be the best practice to have a little blurb, like the fine print to say, like, you can unsubscribe at any time. But also, I make it really clear on that form that in order to get the guide or the promo that they are signing up for the list. And so it's something like, subscribe with your email or sign up with your email too. And then I talk about the free product or the item that they're getting. So it's very clear that they're signing up for the newsletter. They're opting in. We're not just sending off emails to people that didn't <laughs> didn't agree to be there in the first place. And if we talk about best practices as well, it is actually required to have an address at the bottom of all business sales email, as well as an option for your subscribers to unsubscribe. Both of those items need to be at the bottom of every email. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, it feels like such a small piece that maybe you think everyone should know, but you don't. Like if you are brand new to email marketing, those little pieces of your your clients, your subscribers have to opt in. You can't just add them to a list and and say, oh, now you're on my list. Here you go. Um, And and you have to have, like you said, you have to have that address. You have to, um, I love having the unsubscribe button. That's all super important. So thank you for sharing and just making it very clear Mm -hmm. that people cannot just be adding you to a list that you did not sign up for. (laughs) And let's even talk about wedding shows or your clients. If you're doing a giveaway of some sort, or maybe you're, you're sending a questionnaire or a contract to your client and you're getting an email address, it's really simple to just add an open box for them to check with some kind of wording that's like, sign me up for your email list. So there's still ways to have them opt in with, uh, with them knowing yeah. and it being a, a good practice. I really appreciate that. I feel like there's a lot of people that don't even know that part that they think, oh, well, you wrote your, your email address down for this giveaway or whatever. So now it's mine. And that's really not how it goes. I even do on, if I have a survey and I'm asking questions, I have at the bottom of my surveys, would you like to be added to the email list? And some people write no, and that's not going to affect like their chances of winning if I'm doing a giveaway or doing some kind of survey, but already then there is this opt-in, there is that that wording that if they do receive an email from me then after, they know because they've opted in. Mm-hmm. 
I have to like even in my um, I do like send out a client review after I ask them in that review like is it okay to add you to my email list and there's like a click you have to click yes before I'll add them to such a great process for doing that yeah um I want to hit you mentioned like we have to have an address for those of you who are like cringing like I don't want to put my own address out there PO boxes are okay correct absolutely <laughs> yes yes go out and get a PO box for that exact that exact um item I have seen people that use co-working spaces if they oh, yes. utilize like the mail feature of a co-working space use that as their as their address as well um, and of course, if you have a business that has a physical location, use that address over your personal. Awesome. We touched a little bit on like sending out different types of emails so it's not in your face sales all the time, but and we want to have a call to action or something all the time, right? So how do we make sure we're not falling into that overly salesy feeling in our emails? Yeah. So if we talk about the different types of emails that you could send out, it could be a roundup of new content, your favorite resources, an announcement, simply gratitude for fans. And we assume that, well, where's that call to action going to be? Because call to action is sale, right? Well, it's not. If you do a piece of new content, you could take a blog post, just put in maybe the first paragraph or the introduction of the blog post into your email. And then the call to action, the button is to go to the blog and continue reading. So you've directed them to your website and hopefully your website and your blog is set up that it converts. Um, a list of your favorite resources, that might be affiliate links that you're then getting money for. Gratitude for fans, like click here to shop. This is a coupon just for you. So all of those things, they don't inherently seem like you're bombarding me with a sale, but there's still a goal, a call to action. And then it's directing them somewhere where they can, again, interact with you on a different level and you're still making money. We, we love making money. <laughs> yeah, that's all about what it is. Right. And I, I think when we look at email and really any content in general, it has to be intentional, it has to serve a purpose, and then it has to be beneficial for both us and our audience. We have to serve them while then thinking about the bottom line. If you're sending out an email just so people know that you exist, that isn't an accurate way to send an email. We really want to step back and look at our goals and our content creation and have a clear plan and intention and strategy for why we're sending something out. So we've talked about, we're going to create this lead magnet. We're going to create some kind of either educational content or freebie or discounted shipping code or whatever it may be. We're going to do that. We're going to create a welcome sequence then. So after they've opted in, they're going to get this welcome sequence. After the welcome sequence, now you start sending them content. You start like you said, educational content or things that are going to help to people that are, have never done email marketing and they're going, whoa, I have to do all this now just to get started. How do you go forward? How do you make it so this is going to be beneficial to you and your business without it feeling like this is another thing on your to-do list. This is another thing you have to remember to do every day or every week or whatever. What is your advice to get started? To, 
first off, step back because everything you did say right now seems really overwhelming. But even if you were to send out one email a month, that's only 12 emails. And that can be done in an afternoon. We, we could create 12 emails. So I think it's just stepping back and looking at our quarter or a year and just making sure that those emails align with everything else we're doing. And to look at email as just another extension of our business, it's not creating something entirely new. You might have exclusive content or exclusive freebies that you're giving just to your list, but you can repurpose just like we repurpose blog posts for Instagram or Facebook. You can repurpose them into emails. So there's a lot that we can do to make sure that we're not reinventing the wheel. And then to also understand that those welcome sequences and those lead magnets, it's a lot of effort up front. We can put the tasks together and to create them. But once you have done that, you can just sit back and watch the subscribers roll in. Like everything is automated. Your platform is delivering the freebie. They're automatically delivering the welcome sequence. They're putting them into the newsletter. It's all set up to kind of work behind the scenes. So know that after you've done all this work, that it's going to get a lot easier. And all you're going to have to do is then sit down and think like, how can I repurpose my content? What kind of value can I give in just like 12 to 24 emails in a year? That's super refreshing and <laughs> not so intimidating. <laughs> yeah. You say like 12 emails a year if you're doing monthly, like that's just a breath of fresh air. And then to say repurposing content, like, like the give yeah. enough for it to me enticing, like go read the rest. Absolutely. And you don't know if those that are on your email list are also checking you out on social media. Those that are constantly checking Instagram might not check Facebook or email or your blog. So it's just one more avenue that we have what are some of your favorite tools and resources for people to start doing email marketing? My first and my go-to is Flowdesk. Woo! I Flowdesk. love it so much. It is in beta, but it currently is robust enough that if you have any experience in email marketing, you can do things like resend unopens and have these complicated sales funnels. But if that doesn't describe you, don't worry because it is made for people just starting out with email marketing, which is why I think I get so excited about it. I absolutely love it. It's clean. It's simple. It's easy to navigate. So if you haven't sent an email before, you can log into Flowdesk and know exactly what to do. They've got helpful articles and it just kind of guides you through the process. And if we take one further step into it, they already have welcome sequences set up for you. So all you have to do is drag and drop in photos, decide on fonts and colors, and add your own kind of spin on your voice and your messaging, and it's already done for you. So that is the main reason that I love Flowdesk, that if, if all of the stuff we've been talking about today seems overwhelming, it guides you through. It even has templates about different sales emails and nurture emails to kind of get your idea, the idea like thinking on what you could send out. I have to second it. I love Flowdesk. 
And even just from a photographer standpoint, it is clean and crisp and it allows me to make my emails look like my brand where in past, like some other, you know, software things or whatever that I use, I don't want to name names because I'm sure they're so fabulous at what they do, but it just didn't look nice. And that was where I would struggle is like, but this doesn't look like how I want it to feel and I don't know how to change it. So yes, we love Flowdesk. We love everyone over there. They're fabulous. Yeah, that is my favorite tool. But a couple more tips if you're getting started is that you can just look in your own email inbox um, or pick out three businesses or brands that are a step ahead of you that you aspire to be. Take a look at their emails and what they're putting out to give you a starting point and definitely a starting point. Um, We don't want to copy their design or their wording, their copy but it's it can definitely help you get the ball move full rolling on your own marketing. I also like I have a separate folder in my email account that if a subject line really made me open up or some kind of copy made me click the call to action button, that is a really great reminder for me of different things to try out as well. I like that like talking about tracking like what people are clicking. Um as you're getting farther along and sending more emails out, you're obviously getting more analytics and things that you can keep track of. What are the things that are important for people to look at? Is it like click and open rates? Is it subscribers, unsubscribes? Like what really matters? I don't look too much at subscriber size as long as your email is growing. And like we said earlier, if it's not, just look at what you're sending out and how much you're promoting that email list. Beyond that, I definitely look at the open and the click rates. Those are what are most important. And just looking at that percentage, it could be that your following is not your ideal client. And so you're not getting a lot of open or click rates because of that. And you just have to keep on pressing forward and growing that email list with people that really want the content that you're serving. Additionally, we just want to look at what is making them click and create more of that. And then those items where we didn't get a lot of open rates, is it because my subject line? Is it the content that was in there? Just always kind of analyzing. So I don't look too much about the rise and fall of the number, like, oh, it was only 20% or only 10%. What I really look at is, did they open it or did they not open it? And then what was the content in the subject line that didn't make them do that action? And just kind of analyzing that to make sure going forward that I really kind of deliver on what I've promised. That's really helpful and that's really encouraging that it's not always about, you know, the subscriber number. It's more about everything else Um, and about is your content being devoured or is no one really caring? They're not really clicking through or, or going forward. And that's very helpful. We talk a lot about that with like other social media Um, Instagram, Facebook, it's not about how many people are on your account, but who's engaging with you. And that's the same thing with your email list. Absolutely. And it's all about finding that community of people that are going to connect with what you have to say. 
and are going to see that you've sent them an email and immediately want to open it because you're providing some kind of value, whether it's education, humor, encouragement, whatever it is that they know that that's what they can expect for you. And that's the dream. That's the goal to get into that habit and that space that wherever we post an email or on our website, social media, that we are providing something of value to our audience. I love that. You've given like so much great information and like action steps for our listeners to have in terms of like setting up a welcome sequence, what needs to be included, what to use even. Is there anything else that you would like to share on email marketing? Um, not to take it too seriously. I think that we <laughs> overwhelmed with a lot of stats and things to do, but understand that it doesn't have to be scary. It's just another avenue of your marketing and it can create a really great community of people, especially if you find that your audience replies back to you. They reply to your emails. It's it's a lot of fun and it's a habit that you definitely have to acquire and it's worth starting. Commit to something that you it's tangible and is able to be done in your schedule and just get started start writing and I think that would be the biggest takeaway that I would have with with email marketing it's just also have fun yes fun <laughs> yeah cool um so we would love to we'll give you a chance to let people know where to find you. But before we get into that, we'd love to just give some rapid fire questions to get to know you a little bit. Are you okay with that? I'm ready. <laughs> awesome. All right. Are you a morning person or a night owl? Oh, I was a night owl until I had children and now I'm just constantly tired. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think some people will get will be very much in line with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How do you take your coffee or tea? Um, tea, I take that black, but coffee, it has to have the exact amount of cream. It's like I know the color, um, but I'm gonna sound a little bit like a diva. I don't actually make my coffee. My husband is really good about that. He makes coffee and he pours the cream in. And he just does it perfect. And I've become a little codependent. So it's like a caramely, it's a caramely color. <laughs> I love it. I mean, that's wrong. That's the wrong answer. I'm, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Oh, so, yeah. Shani did put out an Instagram post earlier this year about coffee and like how you take it. I'm very, very serious about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I gave up coffee with my two children while I was pregnant with them. So for about a two and a half year period, I gave up coffee. And then because of the, the answer to the first question, um, I'm constantly <laughs> tired. Um, I've had to, you know, like wean myself back into the habit, <laughs> which is awful. That's awful. All right. Question yeah. three, favorite way to give yourself that extra self-care? Ooh, um, this would probably be just quiet. I really love quiet. I love to teach and be in front of people and talk to people. 
but I really crave just being alone and having that recharge moment. So that might look like a trip to Target. It might look like sitting in my car in my garage for a few extra minutes. Um, (laughs) But yeah, anywhere where I can get just like a little downtime by myself and not have to think is is like good, good self-care. Boring, but that's what I look for. (laughs) What is your go-to book recommendation? Oh, I love the story brand for business Mm -hmm. that my go-to with messaging and being in love with social media and digital marketing. And I mean, if we're going personal, I've always, um, I reread the book Angela's Ashes so many times Hmm. and I don't know why I just, I have. I haven't heard of that one. What's that about? Um, it's, I don't know if we want to go into it. It's okay. depressing. Just check it <laughs> no, out. No, it's, it's a great, it's a true story. It's a memoir. Definitely check it out. What's your favorite indulgent treat? Indulgent. Cheesecake. Like a really well done, not frozen cheesecake. <laughs> <laughs> what is one place you'd like to travel next? I have always wanted to go to Paris at some point. Mm, it's really cool. You should go. I know. I know. I really, I really want to go. All right. Final rapid fire question. What is your legacy? That is a big one. I really want my legacy So this is a question that I think of a lot having young kids and just wanting to know what to instill in them. And I think that it goes beyond them, obviously, with every person that I meet and with the businesses that I get the pleasure of doing business with. And that is just encouragement that you can do it. I want everyone to just give it a try, whether that means email marketing like we talked today um, or going skiing I just want everyone to give something a try and to live life to the fullest and not take it too seriously jump in the puddles jump on your bed work hard have fun love it that's perfect Mm -hmm. so Nicole where can our listeners find you if they want to connect more about all things social media all things marketing well you can find me at nicolebergeson.com or my favorite place to hang out is Instagram. So that handle is at Nicole.Ferguson. And there is where I really plug in most about digital marketing and provide a lot of value. I hit up Instagram stories on the daily. So find me there. Wonderful. Thank you, Nicole, so much for being here and sharing everything you know with our listeners. I know you have a plethora of information. So we hope everyone connects with you afterwards, asks questions and that everyone gets their email marketing going because I'm ready. I want to sign up. (laughs) Yes, let's do it. Thanks for having me. It was a real pleasure. Thanks, Nicole. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the show. As always, we really appreciate your thoughts and feedback. 
You can reach out to us on Instagram at the Creative Legacy Podcast or leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and we might include yours in an upcoming episode. This episode may be over, but we want to keep the conversation going. Find us hanging out over on our Instagram account at the Creative Legacy Podcast and interact with us there to let us know your perspective and questions on today's topic. All the show notes and links to resources from this episode can be found at thecreativelegacypodcast.com slash episodes.